Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, where we interview location-independent entrepreneurs that travel the world like a boss by being their own boss. Here's your host, Johnny FD. Hey, bosses, this is Johnny, and welcome to episode 259 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. Uh, I am here with an old friend, Will Chope, also known as Will the Kill Chope, professional MMA fighter. Welcome to the show. Yo, thanks for having me, bro. Like you said, it's been what I just said. It was just, it's been years since we each other. Or we've talked, man. It's good to catch up. Yeah, it's it's literally been how many years? More than ten years. Uh, we last saw each other probably nine years ago in 2011 when we were neighbors in the bamboo huts. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy, man. That was really crazy. And what's funny is, um, before we get into all that, because there's so much I want to catch up with you on on you know, kind of what you've been up to these last, you know, nine years, uh, your professional fighting career, MMA career, uh, and also what you were kind of up to now that you're in quarantine in Korea. But first, I want to apologize for being 30 minutes late. This being in Sri Lanka is, is like, <laughs> oh, being, yeah, like being in Sri Lanka where I am now is like being in Thailand 10 years ago, like before infrastructure. I like, I, I was trying to rent a bike and, you know, you know, nowadays in any kind of like a westernized country, you can just go to a bike shop and rent it. It's not a big problem. Here, there's no bike shops. You have to just call around or ask around and then meet some random guy. He, he came, you know, 30 minutes late. And then he gives me the bike and he's like, oh, um, I don't have a way to get home. Can you drive me home? And I'm like, I have a call in like 15 minutes. He's like, oh, no, no, it's just down the street, just down the street. And he's like, I'll drive. And then I was going to drive him. And he's like, no, no, I'll drive. So, uh, you know, like, because I know where it is, which makes sense. So we drive way past, you know, the 15-minute the mark. So we, we're driving like 20 minutes away. And then he gives you the bike, takes the money. And then I realized there is no gas in the, in the bike at all, like zero. Like he like timed it. So there's like no gas at all. So then I get in the bike and I'm driving and I feel it like sputtering, like the engine, you know, like it's like barely going. And then, so I'm like, okay, so I drive 10 minutes in the, in the wrong direction to go fill up the, the, the bike with gas, you know, spend, you know, 700 or whatever fees, however many dollars to, to fill it up. And then I'm driving back home and I realize this engine is a crap. It like barely like goes like, unless you're flowing it the whole time and just like sputters. So <laughs> now I'm like an hour late. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Like, doesn't this remind you of what Thailand was like, like 10, 20 years ago? And there's still some parts of Thailand kind of like that still. And I've been to Myanmar as well. Like, yo, I know how it is, bro. <laughs> oh my God. But oh, okay. That's all good. So, yeah, my, so my bad. <laughs> I got plenty of time. Hey, there's yeah, so, a slight delay. Just so you know, uh -huh. there's like a one second delay. So if we do cut each other off, I, it's my bad. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no worries. Um, so tell me, like, okay, like, where are you now exactly? All right. I'm in uh, South Korea. I'm about one hour south of Seoul. I'm in a quarantine hotel. It's a well, it's a Ramada hotel, so it's actually a nice hotel, but the government have taken it over and they're using it as a quarantine hotel for tourists because Korea is one of the few and almost only places in Asia right now that are accepting tourists on like stamps that I, I don't need a visa to come. So I decided to come here, but you have to go through this two-week quarantine and it cost me $1,500, so it's a bit expensive, um, but I just, I wanted to get back to Asia and... Uh, yeah, it just seemed like I knew I could fight here and it seemed like a good idea. Yeah, so that's pretty cool that you have, was it two two fights signed up in, in Korea? Yeah, I'm going to fight November. Literally, I get out of quarantine the 12th. 
and then my weigh-ins are on the 13th, and then I fight the 14th of November. And then I'm most likely going to fight again on December 18th as well. So I know I have a lot of contacts in Korea. I fought here three times before, so I have a small name here uh, or a little bit of a name. And I'm the only foreign fighter based here right now. So there's still shows going on because Korea is completely normal. Um, and there's shows going on, but there's no foreign fighters here. And nobody wants to fly in because they have to do the two-week quarantine. But I was up for the challenge. <laughs> Oh man, that sounds awesome. You know, like it's it's funny because even though the world is locked down and there's every excuse in the world, you know, why you know people don't have jobs. I think that when you think outside of the box, you know, we can we can really, you know, have this kind of world to ourselves. Like, for example, I'm one of the only foreign travel bloggers in Sri Lanka right now. So it's gotten me so many opportunities. We got a sponsorship from the, you know, the tourism board. We got all these like, you know, free stays at hotels because we're literally the only ones here. And for you, you're the only foreign fighter and it's going to open up so many doors for you. Yeah. Cause I even got a coaching job lined up as well. So I know I'm going to be able to make money, have me on a salary for the next three or four months. I'm going to try to stay here the whole 90 days and Hopefully, after New Year's, Japan opens up or somewhere else opens up, and then I can do a quick visa run and come right back because I got a good opportunity over here, and I kind of want to take advantage of it. And Korea is a really safe place right now. The, the whole country has a little over a thousand active coronavirus cases currently. For a country of like 50 million people, like that's unheard of anywhere else in the world. It's like it's probably one of the safest countries to be in right now. Yeah. It's super smart. I mean, for anyone who's, you know, in the U.S. complaining about the politics and the election, you know, stress of um, of being locked down, there's options. There's Mexico with, with no quarantine at all. And then there's places like South Korea where, you know, yeah, 14 days sucks, but it'll be worth it, right? Yeah, because everything's normal in Korea outside. Like the quarantine strict, that's real strict about it. But everything else is normal. You just have to wear a mask in public, but everything's open. They're still doing shows. Uh, you know, there's still nightlife, their, their restaurants are open. So, uh, so yeah, it was like, it's, it's, I'm looking forward to it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Okay. But it must, it must be so hard to try to stay in shape in a hotel room, like no training partners, no, like no space to work out. Like, what are you doing? So I, what's funny is I'm in a little, so they, there's two beds in my hotel room. There's a queen size bed and a small little single bed. I literally put the queen size bed up on, on the wall. And I have a little bit more extra room. And I've just been doing like body weight circuits. Like really like, man, I think yesterday I did like 200 burpees, like 300 different push-up variations, a bunch of abs, hard, hard shadow boxing. Like I'm still getting my heart rate up and staying in shape. It fucking sucks. It's frustrating. But, uh, but yeah, I just got to do what I got to do. I got to make sure I'm still in shape. I, I came in Korea. I came to Korea in pretty good shape. I just got to maintain it. And, uh, get ready for this fight so yeah <laughs> yeah if anything yeah i've been watching your youtube videos if anything turn that uh queen size bed the opposite direction and just destroy that like 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 a bag oh i did i did I, that's what i did and then i i kind of have like that <laughs> one of my friends said that as well and i was like oh that's a good idea so i so i put a i put the soft side on uh, uh towards me up on the wall and then so i kind of have a, like a a little punchy bag sort of and it's good because i'm on the last ho in the hall of the hotel i'm the last one <laughs> So the wall it's up, uh, like it won't make no noise for the person in the next room. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can imagine like wh how, what they would, would they be thinking. You're like, ah, boom, 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 destroying the wall, destroying the room, th thinking like, oh man, this guy is going insane in the quarantine. Man, it's funny though, because like we're only allowed to open our hotel room door four times per day. Like I said, three times to get our food and then one time to put our trash out at the end of the day. And uh, 
But every now and then there's a public announcement and they tell people like to go back in the room. Like you're not supposed to go in the, the hallway of the hotel. You're not like, I watched uh, your, um, your uh, last, I think your last podcast where you're talking to people in the quarantine facility, the government mm-hmm. one, and how people were all interacting with each other. Like you can't do that here at all. Korea is very strict and, uh, and they have cameras and they'll be, and if you do do something, they'll announce it on the PA system. And if you don't listen, they'll come and get you. Wow. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that sucks. <laughs> I, I had a friend, um, Aliona, who did quarantine in Russia, and she said it was awesome. The whole floor got to interact with each other. So basically, whoever was on the plane together anyways, they get a whole floor together because they figure that, you know, if, you know, you were, you were to get it, you would have got it from the people on the plane or on the bus anyway. And the risk is, if you do uh, catch it, the whole floor is quarantined for another 14 days, which sucks. Um, so in yeah. your case, it's probably better to be alone. I mean, some people just chose to stay alone anyways, but at least that was an option for, you know, where they can at least like interact with each other. Yeah, no, I mean, for sure. Well, they, cause here in Korea, they do test us the very first day where, and I, and I, as long as you like pass your <coughs> test, pretty nice if, if like we had, if like the quarantine was shorter, if it was only seven days, but they don't do that. They test you on the first day. They're going to test me again on my 10th day. And then they'll test me on my final day. And as long as I pass all the tests, I'll get out. And then, yeah, uh, nice. It's quite strict, but I kind of understand it. I can't argue with them because I'm in their country, and you can't argue with the results here, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> working, so, working, you know. Uh, weight wise, are you gonna have to try to make weight and cut weight during? Okay, so normally I would I would fight at seventy kilos or um, or one hundred fifty five pounds, but uh, this fight I'm fighting at welterweight, which is seventy seven or one hundred seventy pounds. Um, so I barely I only have to cut about five kilos, which is really easy. I can do that actually quite fast in the sauna. So um, I'll get on the 12th, and most likely the morning of the 13th, I'll have to go to the sauna, okay. which is going to be – I'm not too worried about it. I'm pretty in good shape right now, and, like, I'm really lean. I just posted a super pissed-off video after I ate my food and I worked out, <laughs> and I'm, like, I'm in good shape right now, so I'm not too sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if anything, like this, this almost reminds me of like the, um, the like prison fights. So like when someone's been locked up in jail, then they let them out saying like, if you, you know, like you can come out just to fight. And then if you win, you get to stay out. <laughs> well, yeah, like it's, it's kind of funny because like, like all right, I'll, people probably would, if they walk in my hotel room, they'll think I'm a psychopath because I have it all dark. I'll just listen to music and I'll kind of just be rocking and zoning out and like almost like it's like my version of meditating and just like, thinking about the fights, thinking about my goals, thinking about things to do and just trying to be in the right mind. And so, but it kind of looks kind of creepy because it's all dark. I'm like, <laughs> what, what, I mean, like, I don't know. It's, it's me focused and I'm, and I'm, and I'm super ready for the fight. And just I'm ready. I have a lot of goals while I'm in Korea and I just want to, so yeah. yeah. And to be honest, if the food wasn't so bad, this would be kind of like a little mini vacation. My body's healing up nicely. I'm getting good training. I'm getting good stretching. I'm doing like yoga. I never do yoga. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, I feel, I feel good right now. But food is so bad. It's kind of whole process kind of miserable now. That sucks. <laughs> is there any way you can order food, like pay for extra food or anything? Yeah. So people keep asking me that. And like, we can't get delivery. Um, and because the government took over the hotel, they said it's not a hotel. There are no amenities. There is no room service. You can't make special requests because if we make a special request for you, we have to do it for other people. And it's like, so there's literally nothing I can do. I just get my three meals a day and I have to accept it. I should have packed a bunch of extra food, which I didn't. I was being cheap. I was being like, I was because, because one thing about Korean quarantine is uh, it costs between uh, about 1300 US dollars to $2,000. It depends which hotel you go to. And it's really random which hotel you're going to go to. You don't know which one you're going to go to. And you can't request. I got put in a Ramada. 
Some people get put in a Grand Hyatt. I think some other people went to a Hilton and there's another Ramada on another side of Seoul. So it's really different what kind of food you're going to get. Or like I watch other people's vlogs and their food looks way better than mine. But yo, I don't know why the food's so bad here. <laughs> yeah. It is what it is. <laughs> and, um, maybe they know you're trying to make weight. So <laughs> they just <laughs> yeah, purposely right? put crappy food. And For sure, bro. <laughs> so so this, this podcast is all about people who find like an alternative way to travel, right? Some people do it teaching English online. Some people do it you know, as an entrepreneur, working online or freelance remotely or starting their business. You've done it in a completely different way. You've basically traveled the world as a professional fighter. How did you get started with that? Well, like I went to Thailand, uh, what, maybe a year before I met you. I went to for Thailand first in 2010. I was 19 years old. I remember I saw, I don't, you remember Cyrus Washington? Yep. Black Dynamite. Okay, sorry. It's Black Dynamite. I, if people want to Google him or YouTube him. But I remember seeing him on uh, on YouTube and watching his videos in Tiger Muay Thai. And I was like, this guy's badass. And I remember as a kid, I, I was like 18 and I messaged him on Facebook and he responded. And I was like, I was like stoked, you know, I was like, oh my God, this guy's talking back to me. He's actually responding to my questions. And I was asking, what's it like fighting there? Is it possible to make a living, blah, blah, blah. And Cyrus is like a real gangster, you know, Cyrus is like, Yo, if you want to make a living fighting, he's like, it's easy. All you got to do is show up and you got to fight. You got to train your ass off and you got to fight. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's sure. That sounds easy. No problem. But one thing you'll realize, like me and you both know this, people go to Thailand and they say they're going to fight. They're going to fight. They're going to fight. And the first time they go to the go to the nightlife, they go to the red light district or they drink with a bunch of bar girls, you'll never see them again training. And people <laughs> just don't. You know, people just don't fight or they say they're going to fight. They're going to say they're going to fight. They might have one fight. Then they don't fight again for like three months. And, and I never did that. I saw the ties and I saw how they fought. Like ties fight almost on a weekly basis. However like, much their body can take, they'll fight. You know, they got to make money. And I was like, okay, I just got to do this. I had no saving. I didn't have any money. So I was like, if I don't fight, I don't eat. So, um, so that's what I did, bro. I just, you know, I just came out, trained. I got a fight within my first month of, of uh, staying and, uh, and I, you know, I just kept grinding. I, I really, really sucked back in the day. Even when you met me, I was still, I was like really not very good. I was really tall, skeletal looking dude. I looked really awkward. I wasn't very good. Um, but after, you know, after time to put really, I put my whole life into it. I've been training full time, took a lot of fights. I got the experience I needed and I really started developing and I got better and everything kind of started coming into place and working out. Um, I think when I last saw you, I moved to the Philippines. I left Thailand and went to the Philippines. I was supposed to come back and I didn't. And, uh, but after that, after I moved to the Philippines, everything started coming together and I started winning more fights and, and I started, my name started growing. I made it to the UFC in, uh, in the January, 2014, I got to the UFC. Um, I got out of the UFC of course as well, but I mean, but I've still, I've just always racked up fights, whether it's mixed martial arts, kickboxing, Muay Thai, boxing, Sanda, Lethway, what bare knuckle, like any fight I'm down to fight as long as I get paid. And, I just don't want to work. I'm too lazy. I don't want to work that nine to five. I don't want to work some job I hate. I was just like, I'd rather do this than do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So for a lot of people listening, they might be thinking, you know, getting punched in the face sounds way harder than working a nine to five. But for certain personalities, being forced to sit, you know, in a cubicle for you know, nine hours a day is way worse than stepping into a, a ring or a cage and, you know, getting elbowed in the face. Yeah, like I love fighting. I love training. Like I, you know, fighting is fun to me. Like it's a game. It's not violent to me. Like it can be violent. It's a, it's a game with consequences, of course. But I don't have any anger towards my opponents. I'm just there trying to, you know, just playing a game. I'm just trying to finish them, 
get the get, or maybe win win by a judge's decision, get a knockout or get a submission, and, and then get my get my paycheck and go home, you know, and yeah, like support my family and uh, and you know do do my thing, you know. So I don't know, <laughs> man. Do you, I'm reminiscing about those days, like back in, I guess that was what, uh, 2011 or 2010, yes. we were hanging out, living in t- Tiger Muay Thai. Uh, those bamboo huts that you, you you mentioned earlier. So for those listening at home, I want you to imagine these huts were literally just like you know sheets of bamboo that they put up in less than a day. I remember it took like eight hours to make these huts. I actually have a video of of it on my YouTube channel. Just search for Johnny FD bamboo hut, and they were how much did we pay a month for it? It was like was it 150 bucks or maybe it was even less. I was lucky because Boyd, the owner of Phuket Top, uh, sponsored me and let me stay there for free. But I believe. The rent was only a hundred dollars a month. It was a hundred dollars a month. They had we had Wi-Fi, but it was just a little tatami mat with a mosquito net. We had a mosquito net and we had one fan, and that was yeah. it. And me, yeah. you, and Malik. You remember Malik Watson? We were yeah, the only yeah. foreigners. We were the only foreigners that stayed in the bamboo huts. The other people that lived in the bamboo huts were the Thai trainers. So we were yeah. the only foreigners to ever stay in those things. Because we were broke. <laughs> Yo, we, but we made shit happen, yo. <laughs> I, I still remember your daily meal. Okay, we had two meals a day. The first was a 30 baht buffet, which is a dollar. And we used to drive like 20 minutes uh, to this place. But that was good food. Yo, it was really good food. That guy was like a chef. He was awesome. I remember you, had a, you made a video on that as well. It was great food. <laughs> oh, man. You know, I, don't, I have no idea where that video is anymore. It's, it's definitely not on my channel anymore because I, I was looking, looking through them to reminisce. But, yeah, I'm sure that dollar buffet is no longer there. But what he would do is he would do um, – like he would give you a plate of rice. And the funny thing was all the meat and vegetables, like the hot dishes, they were all you can eat. But the rice wasn't for some strange reason. So you get one plate of rice and then you can go and basically just take as many uh, toppings as you want. And he would just buy whatever was, you know, fresh or cheap in the market. So it's always like really bony chicken because it was probably the cheapest meat there was and just whatever vegetables there were. But it was so tasty. Like the, the flavors and the spices and the herbs always came across. I mean, he, he was a yeah, that guy- chef. Chef for a cruise before a cruise, I think yeah. he was right. Wasn't he a yeah. chef for a cruise before? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yo, those were the yeah. days though. And then um, I used to have a tab at uh, Tony's restaurant, this, mm-hmm. which was just down the road from the gym. And uh, I would rack up my tab because I, w- I would only eat once or twice a day because I didn't want to rack up my tab too much. And then uh, I would rack up my tab. I would go fight Muay Thai, pay off my tab, and then I'd have no money again. And I was back to that same hustle. I did that for almost like eight months. I remember I did that for oh my about God. eight months. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I remember every day it was the same meal too. It was cow pad sapperdal, which is fried yeah. rice with pineapple. <laughs> yeah, dude. And I remember I'd take the peanuts. They used to have a bunch of extra peanuts. And I would take those peanuts and like put it all over my rice just so I can get some extra protein and extra calories. <laughs> yeah. But you know what's funny? That was one, that was like my last year really truly be single. Um, and uh, be like before all, like, you know, I, I got my missus pregnant and got kids and stuff. And that was one of my like best, like best years ever. Like that was like one of the best, most years like, I had the most fun. It, it was definitely crazy. Um, so, so I always, even though I was so poor, I had such a, such a great part of my dream and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah, me too. Like I, like I honestly, like I remember those days so well. And this is a reason why I wanted to catch up with you so bad. I was reminiscing, like, you know, 
like our lives have, have changed a lot since then. You've gotten married, you had a kid, like you've grown uh, your professional career as a fighter. You know, I, I went to kind of the opposite direction. I got fat, I stopped training, <laughs> but you know, I started traveling and doing business <laughs> stuff. But those days yeah, I'll always remember. Yeah. Yeah, I no, mean, it, was, it was good. Yeah, it was good times. And like, it's cool. I just watched like your channel. I do like how somebody was commenting on your, your account and your YouTube accounts, like how, how much information you give out and stuff like that. Cause somebody was right. Like a lot of the, I watch a lot of other vloggers cause I'm, I just started a YouTube account. I'm I wanted, I've been saying I'd do it for years and I finally just started it. And, uh, and I watch a lot of other vloggers and they just keep their information super private. They don't give, give you their YouTube analytics. They don't let you know how much money they make off their YouTube ads. They don't give you details on how to make other passive income. And like, cause a lot of times people just think like, hey, are these just rich people traveling? Like what the hell's going on? And it's really cool how much information you, you provide and, and give out to people basically for free. And, uh, and a lot of other vloggers and people are not. Yeah. I've always thought of it as, you know, I wish that somebody else was sharing this when I started, cause it would have saved me a lot of headache, you know, yeah. it's kind of my way, my way to give back. And also to be honest, it's more of a, a abundance mentality where I figure, you know, if, if I'm going to be good, I'm going to do my thing by me letting other people starting out know what, I, you know, what's working, what I'm doing. Like I, I would have to suck for them to be able to catch up to me that quickly and, and negatively affect me, you know? So it's almost like, imagine, you know, you're, you know, a good fighter. You can tell your opponent like, Hey, I'm going to knock you out in the second round, <laughs> you know? And there's not that much he can do about it, especially if he's just starting out, you know, like, like to be so afraid that someone's going to know your secret techniques, you know, probably means you're not as, as uh you know as sturdy i guess in your you know financial or business or you know fighting life as 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 you should be yeah it's weird because as i've like really been traveling the world and, and yeah living this kind of lifestyle and you meet other people that have escaped the nine to five and living this like alternative lifestyle whatever you want to call it but a lot of people are really narcissistic and they have huge egos and it almost seems like they're very fake they almost see like they don't want to see other people succeed and like for me, that's crazy. I want to see other people do well. I want to see people I like and other like, you know, if, if just because somebody else is doing well, doesn't mean I, I can't do well. It's, it's, it's really weird. It's like a selfish mentality. I noticed with other people, not everybody, of course, but it's just one little thing I definitely have noticed with, with, with living this lifestyle. Yeah, definitely. But you know, at the same time, like we come across, you know, people who 10 years later, we, you know, we're still good friends with it's, like I probably met, you know, 10,000 travelers <laughs> during the, you know, during this last, uh, last decade, but there's only a yeah. few I actually want to talk to you and you're, and you're one of them because like, you've always been a genuine guy. We've all, you know, you've always been super open and honest. And like, even though we, like, we haven't spoken in so long, I've always kept tabs on you. You kind of see what you've been up to. I've always cheering you. Yeah, no, I was, like I said, I was, I was stoked to see you in Sri Lanka. Cause I, I was actually before I was thinking about going to Korea. I was thinking about going to Sri Lanka cause there was a little window there where Sri Lanka was open and then they closed down. And I was like, Oh man. <laughs> Cause I, I have a friend there that has an MMA gym and uh, it's called soul of MMA. I believe it's just outside Colombo. And uh, yeah, I was, I was thinking about going there, but then yeah, like I said, unfortunately coronavirus and craziness, but it's cool that you're there. Cause I, like, I definitely, that's one place I really want to go and see. A lot of people don't go there. It's, it's a, people think Sri Lanka, I always say Sri Lanka is like a nice version of India. And uh, people think <laughs> yeah. it's like so third world, you know, like it's a nice India in a way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like halfway, you know, like I would say it's like halfway between India and, 
and Singapore, like kind of like infrastructure wise, it, it kind of reminds me of what Thailand or Bali was like, you know, 10, 20. I would say that's probably the best way with Indian food and good, like rice and curry. Yeah. Yo, how long you been there now? Man, I've been here for nine months. Oh, wow. That's awesome. But <laughs> yo, yo, did they go back into like another lockdown? Because didn't I just recently you're on a lockdown or no? Yeah. So, uh, the first lockdown happened in like March, April. I was here, you know, I, I, I've been, I, I've been here since February and the first month was awesome. You know, went around, you know, traveled, surfed, all the other stuff. And then it went on a hardcore lockdown. So for two months, we were not allowed to leave our building. Like I was in my, my room. Luckily we had like this upstairs kind of a you know, deck where I can stretch and do stuff. I had a nice balcony, but once or twice a week, we were allowed to go to the grocery store and that was it. Like, you, you know, you get half a day out you know twice a week and then the rest of the time we're just stuck at home yeah because when the when like i was in thailand in february i did because i promote thailand fighting championship i'm not mm -hmm. sure if you knew that me and my me and my missus we uh we do tfc um, oh, nice. and we did our last show in february and then i went to singapore to, to guest coach for two months and i was going to go back to thailand and be with my kids for songkran which is thai new year uh -huh. and um and then boom at the end of march singapore went into like a really strict lockdown thailand closed their borders a lot of other countries closed their borders and i was thinking i was like oh man this can't last forever it's gonna you know in a couple of weeks it'll be over it's gonna be okay but then it lasted a whole month and i started freaking out a little bit <laughs> and everything was closed and, and, and like singapore's expensive um uh -huh. it's super strict and uh very strict I was living in a gym. I couldn't even hit, like hit the bag of the gym or do anything because I was like, if you, if I did, I could get reported. Um, mm. The Singapore government released like a snitch app. Like if people are caught outside without a mask or people caught outside with somebody they don't live with, or if they're doing something they're not supposed to, they can report you to the government. Man. And I was just like, yo, this is getting crazy. The only time I could go outside was to get food. And that was it. And I was just, okay. I was going nuts. I didn't know what was going to go happening. My fights were getting canceled left and right. I was supposed to fight in Italy in May. I was going to fight in Ethiopia. And then I was like, man, I think I got to go back to America. And, um, and yeah, so like right at the beginning of May, I flew back to America and I was in America for five months. And yeah, America was, it's crazy. Like Florida has almost a million cases of coronavirus, but yet everything is open, completely normal, no masks or mandatory, nothing. Like everything's like a free for all. No, and it was kind of cool in, in, in like one way because I was like, Singapore is so strict and it was cool that everything was normal. There was a gyms open. I got a coaching job. But at the same time, I was like, man, I got to get out of here. And yeah. uh, and I made sure I, I saw Korea was open. And I was like, man, I'm getting out of America before the end because there's going to be riots and craziness. And so I was like, all right, I'm, I'm out of here. <laughs> so that's why, yeah. that's why I bounced. <laughs> yeah, smart. I mean, I... I, I had considered going home as well. There was all, you know, kind of the, this little window of opportunity where I could have left, but I'm glad I stayed because, you know, now like new tours can't come in, but everything was open for the last, you know, three, four months or so. We were traveling around, having a good time. It was just basically, you know, uh, end of October, beginning of November, they, they locked down Colombo completely. But luckily I had, I had saw kind of the writing on the wall. So a few weeks before that, I had left Colombo already. Uh, and decided, you know what, like, let me just get out of the hot zone because, you know, that's where the, the, the population is the most dense. So now we're yeah. just chilling, you know, now we're kind of uh, in the jungle, but like, you know, 10 minute drive from the beach, the figure, if we get locked down again, uh, it's, uh, it's called Midigama, which is near, it's the South. It's, it's, it's in, in South, near yeah. a big town okay. called, yeah, it, it's, it's not really any, <laughs> near anything. I'm literally living in the jungle. Like it feels like, you know, like in the Thai jungle, but <laughs> they have this 
baller villa here that normally goes for like 250 or 300 bucks a night i'm wow. getting the place for 500 bucks for the whole month 550 yeah no tourism so it's like man yeah yeah let's take advantage of it yeah, yeah it's crazy that's awesome. like it's crazy like huh. when, like when the video comes out uh probably in a few weeks um i'm gonna do a tour of it private pool like you know big living room like nice tv and i'm just like man if I, if I get locked down here for a month it'll suck but you know at least you know at least like i'll have all this to do you know yeah and like man even though there's like lockdowns like i, I really like i really doubled down i did stuff online like there's so many for people listening there's so many self-improvement ways like you can still there's a lot of like there's so much the internet is such a great tool teach yourself another language looking up stuff planning trips uh you know, you can make the, you can always make the most of that. You can do your own training while you're, while you're alone and even in a hotel room or if you're at home and stuff. And, and if, if people are, as long as you have the right mindset, even a lockdown, you can make the most out of it and actually find some good situations. I, I know I've done a lot of networking online, even just being in quarantine for these two weeks. I, I've gotten like, I got in contact with you again. I'm trying to do I'm doing a lot of stuff online that I probably normally wouldn't have ever done if I was just living my life like normal. So it's, yeah, there's smart. always, yeah, you can always make the most, yeah. Man, I remember there was a quote going around during the beginning of lockdown that was, said something like, uh, if you come out of this lockdown or this pandemic, you know, without, you know, new skills, like a side hustle or like in better shape or whatever, that, that means you never, you never lack the time. You just lack discipline. Yeah, I know, 100%. That's, yo, that discipline's the real thing. Discipline, motivation, and like, and it's it, what's crazy in this, in this world, you start realizing how people have, have that have those skills and people don't there's a lot of people that that just don't have like and, and that don't have that and it, it's sad because even as a coach i i, I really want to see people become more disciplined more account hold themselves more accountable because that's how you become better you know <laughs> man yeah. so okay so in these last nine years so what when when we were hanging out you 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 already had a lot of fights i mean you know you, you know you say that like you, you know, your skill level wasn't uh where you wanted it to but you were making progress because you were taking fights left and right. I mean, I think you, I think you had like 50 fights or something back then. Like, I don't remember. Yeah. Like, well, like, yeah. well it's crazy. So that year in 2011, when I met you, that was the most time I ever fought in one year. I fought 20 times that year, which wow. is like unheard of. Nobody fights that much in yeah. one year. Like just so people like, I know a lot of your viewers aren't fight fans. Most UFC fighters, for example, fight three times a year mm -hmm. um, or even like pro, pro boxers. They might fight twice a year. They take two big fights a year or something. So I was fighting like, like, well, that was the only way I was making money. And also in Thailand, you remember Bangla Stadium, Patong Stadium. We only got paid $200 to fight. So I had to make that $200 last. And if I, I was like, well, if I fight again, I get another $200. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i i remember that experiment i was thinking like i was like yeah maybe i can i can live off of this because i was like you know i'm paying 100 bucks for my rent you know i'm paying you know i'm only spending like 100 bucks on food or 200 bucks on food max i'm not really you know i have my scooter rental that was cheap you know i had bought the scooter and then i had sold it for the same price or something and yeah i had taken i think i took like two fights that month or something and i was like you know, I got 400 bucks and then I had to give a hundred of it to my, my, co my coach. And I was like, man, I can't live off through some months. Like, is that doing this? No, nah, it's hard. It's hard, man. And like, that's why I always wanted to fight in China, fight kickboxing, fight MMA, because that MMA and kickboxing paid much more money than Muay Thai. Muay Thai, I only fight, even to this day, I only fight Muay Thai if I have no other choice. If I can't find any other fight, then I'll fight Muay Thai. But I'm always looking for those higher paying fights. You know what I mean? Like MMA pays yeah. much better. Like yeah. even here in Korea, I'm making a few thousand dollars per fight. 
and the cost of living in Korea is really cheap. Because I'm going to be coaching at a gym, I got my, I'm going to have a salary for my gym. I got accommodation covered. Most of these gyms, that, what's cool is a pro fighter too. Even if you're not even a, a coach, as long as you're a pro fighter, you can get sponsored at a lot of gyms and get discount housing at a lot of places around the world. And it really is kind of cool. It's, 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 it makes things cool to travel. But yeah. I am also looking for alternative sources of income because fighting and coaching alone is, you know, especially because I've got three kids in Thailand. I got my wife. Um, I don't want to be like, you know what I mean? I still I got a lot of expenses I got to cover. So I, from coaching and fighting, it covers that. But I want to get into like to get YouTube more, get into merchandise and things like that so I can have these other little sources of income so I can prosper a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I remember um, you had hooked me up at 13 Coins, the Muay Thai gym. And that was my yeah. kind of like my first time going to Bangkok. And I got, you know, free accommodation, free food, you know, just for like training there. I mean, granted, it was the worst accommodation I've ever had in my life, but bro, it was attic, awesome. Bro. It was an attic. <laughs> they literally put us in an attic above the gym. It was so crazy. I, yeah. uh, I did not like coins. That was terrible. <laughs> yeah, but you know, the food was actually really good because I remember we would eat with yeah, the no. owner and like it was yes. like the best like Chinese Thai food. And then, you know, is that place still around? Because that, that place had a lot of history. Um, I, I'm not sure, actually, to be honest. Um, I haven't heard anything about it in a long time because they don't have an MMA program there anymore. Yeah. I think it's just Thai only that the people that train there are Thais only now. I don't yeah. think it's open for tourism anymore. Like, yeah, I'm not sure exactly. Yeah. Do, do you remember BK, Brendan Kessler? Yeah, he's back in America. Um, we, we sort of keep in touch a little bit. Like, I see him on social media. We don't really talk talk a lot, but uh, hey, he's doing his thing. I helped him yeah. get his, like, a first fight in China. <laughs> I remember that. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, he's a big, big, huge, huge dude, a huge fighter. And he was the coach at, at 13 Coins at that time. I remember that. Yeah, so I remember <laughs> that. So I actually hung out with him pretty recently. Uh, actually, exact, probably exactly one year ago uh, in Mexico. He was staying at a place oh, down in, uh, in Cabo. And I come, came and I was there for a week. So I went to go hang out. The homeboy turned uh, vegan or something. And he, he's tiny now. He's like, I don't want to say he's like lanky madness like you, but he, he was, he's, he's thin now. Yeah. It's crazy. Cause he was like 220 pounds and like six foot tall like five ten or something. He's not like super, super tall, but yeah. I remember him being really, really big, but yeah, it's funny. He's like vegan. I, I didn't know. I haven't, I haven't really kept in touch with him a lot, a lot. So I just see him on social media here. And that's funny. Yeah. He's vegan though. That's, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if that still lasted. I, I, I would bet 50, 50 that, that he's, uh, he's eating meat again now. Actually, no, maybe he wasn't vegan. He was, he, I think he was eating seafood, but, but not meat. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what did you weigh back then? Oh, uh, so back in the day, I was like 150 to 155 pounds. I'm six foot four guys. So just so you know, I was like bone skinny. Uh, what's crazy is like now, like right now here in the hotel, I'm a little over 180 pounds, but I can get up to 190 now. Like, I, like when I'm, when I'm like, I don't have a fight right away. I'll be up to, I walk around like 190. But back in the day when I was eating two little tie meals a day, I was only like 150, 155 pounds. And that was when I used to cut to featherweight. And I still have the record for the tallest featherweight in the history of MMA, which is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except for the one guy who died on the way to, to, to the way in. No, no. That guy was that guy was a amateur fighter, like for uh, and uh, I, yeah, I think he was a I think he was a bantamweight. I, I'm not sure, but yeah, but he wasn't for professional fighters. I'm the tallest six foot four featherweight, 145, 66 kilogram fighter that's out insane. there, which is kind of funny. Yeah, I'm so no, glad. 
I am so <laughs> glad you decided. Bad. Yeah, I'm so glad you decided to, to, to move up a, a weight class or two because that was unhealthy. Yo, girls, well, no, it wasn't by choice, bro. I didn't like choose it. It's just like I was poor, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I was just poor. <laughs> oh, man. I always blame my metabolism because I was always skinny, but yeah, it was just being poor, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, because you weren't rich growing up in the U.S. either, right? No, no, like, man. I mean, like, I, 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 whatever I'll say because it's it's on social media and other interviews. Like, man, I had like meth head parents, like, uh, like lower, like lower income. Like, man, we we moved around all the time. Like, uh, like my parents are really cool now. They're clean now. They're doing much better. They have good jobs now. They're they're doing like, but like growing up, I was like that like we're we're just like living on that poverty line yeah. for for america and uh yeah that's why i joined the military when i was like when i graduated high school when i was 17 i joined the military i was like i gotta escape this you know yeah and uh yeah <laughs> good move and and you know and a big uh, big congrats and shout out to your parents for you know getting clean and getting their life in order because it's hard for people to to uh, turn a leaf yeah like it was crazy because when i was in when i was a teenager i remember we moved from northern california all the way to florida and they got clean like when I was in high school and uh but I mean like even though while they're getting clean we're still like quite quite poor you know it was like wasn't like we they got clean and all of a sudden we prospered you know what I mean but they're like so they're doing much better now they all live in Idaho now. my mom they're homeowners so that's kind of cool wow. like uh yeah my, and my dad is the one who got me into MMA he like he he went to high school with Ken Shamrock and uh he, like we used to watch MMA when I was a little kid even when like so the reason I became I ended up becoming a fighter was because of my dad so at the end of the day, he's like my best friend. I love him, and and I'm always grateful for for how much. Like even though I, like we had a hard childhood, like they made me who I am, yeah. and I'm proud of that. You know, and, and I'm proud that like so. First off, I was super proud when I saw you. You saw your first first UFC fight. It was super unfair because you ended up fighting for your very first fight. You fought it was Max Holloway who ended up being uh, the the yeah. world champion. <laughs> so that was like that was you know a hard matchup. Did did they? Do you think that they knew how good he was and he they kind of just threw you in there, or was it like so, they didn't know who he how how good he would be either? Man, actually, I don't know, man, because I was making my pro my my UFC debut, not pro debut, UFC debut, and Max Holloway already had six or seven fights in the UFC, and actually, uh, he just lost a decision to McGregor. Uh, Max Holloway is the only featherweight that didn't get knocked out by Conor McGregor. He lost a decision, and then and then after. Max Holloway fought Conor McGregor. He fought me. And then I was supposed to fight Diego Brandao, this Brazilian guy in Brazil. I ended up getting cut from the UFC. But then Diego Brandao went to go fight Conor McGregor. So it's crazy. Like back in 2014, I was like, I was like almost there, you know? Um, yeah. Like I was in that little, I was in the mix, you know what I mean? And yeah, it was weird. Yeah. Though. I was, I was <laughs> cheering you on so hard. Like, and then I was, I mean, like when you lost to, to Max, I was like, crap, you know, that sucks, you know, but he, he was so good. And then I saw you had a, a second chance. And I was so excited. And then I think I was watching that fight live and they had cut you like just before, like, like yeah. that day of. Yeah. The day of the fight. And yeah, it was kind of crazy. I mean, people can go research on Google. There's a huge, huge, uh, dilem- like huge craziness and that ended up getting sorted out now. I got a contact with the UFC now and they, they don't care about, like they said, as long as I'm on a win streak, they'll take me back. So that's one of my big, big things here in Korea is I'm hoping to, I'm, I'm going to try to get two or three fights here in Korea while I'm here, try to win those fights. And if I win those two, three fights in a row, there's a very, very good chance I can go back to the UFC. So oh, man, I would love to the, see that, man. The, I would love, yeah. love to see that. Yeah. Cause that was, that was all BS. So I'm glad it all yeah. sorted out. Uh, but yeah. 
<laughs> well, yeah, man. So what's what's next for you after after what well, I guess after COVID? Are you gonna stay in Sri Lanka a little bit longer, or where are you off to next? Yeah, so I think I'm gonna be here for another few months because it's it's winter now. So all of Europe's yeah. basically gonna be uh, out of bounds, and then you know Thailand's closed. I, you know, I would, normally I would love to go back to Chiang Mai, but you know it's closed. So then I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe I'll stay here for three more months, and then we'll kind of wait it out until until spring, and then go to Europe or something. Because I don't want to go back to the US. <laughs> I wouldn't mind going no. to Mexico, but you know, I'm afraid if I go to Mexico, then I'll, you know, and things get bad, then I, then I'm stuck. I can't come back here. Cause there's a good chance during flu season, which is winter coming up, there's going to be like another second wave, which is already kind of happening. Like in Europe, so there's some places in European lockdown. There was just a lockdown in Malaysia. Um, so yeah, smart move. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to stay in Korea as long as I can. I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping after New Year's like Thailand opens up or, or Japan opens up because my uncle's in Japan. I got an uncle in Fukuoka. So <laughs> it's, but it's all, it's so crazy right now. It's hard to plan. I mean, because of COVID. So it's, uh, yeah. it's interesting times, my friend. <laughs> I would say enjoy Korea as long as you can. You know, I'm sure, uh, you know, it's, it sucks that you can't, you can't enjoy the food, you know, uh, before your way in, but I'm sure that meal after, after your fight, you know, hopefully after your victory is going to be some Korean barbecue. Oh, right after weigh-ins, I'm going for Korean barbecue. Because I get out on the 12th, 13th is weigh-ins. And then right after my weigh-ins, I'm going to get some awesome Korean barbecue for sure. <laughs> for oh, sure. man. <laughs> I love it. Man. So, so people don't know. Yeah. Like, if they want to follow me on Instagram, at Asia Will the Kill, they, they can see I've been ranting about my on my stories, like how terrible the food is. I made a YouTube video. I showed all the food I get served in one day um it's a real basic video but still like it's it's been really bad it's been like gel food but worse <laughs> yeah it's like rice kimchi and pickles yo they gave like, me a, like every yeah. meal, they give me a bunch of pickles and a bunch of jalapeno slices like yeah i understand having like two jalapeno slices to spice up your rice or meat or something but they just give me a bunch of them like i'm just gonna eat them like like broccoli or something it's so weird bro it's so crazy <sighs> I, don't know. Well, <laughs> I mean i you know i, I if, if nothing else, like once you get out, you'll after the fight or after weigh-ins, you know, you're going to be excited. All the Korean fried chicken. the Yo, for know, real. The Korean barbecue. food is amazing. Ooh. You know, because you're, you're, well, you're from California, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like Korean town, like, you know how great Korean food is. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's incredible. And, and I miss like good meat too, because like Sri Lanka has really good food, but it's not, it's not known for beef or like even like, most like half of the areas we live in are muslim areas there's pork so like in colombo the food is amazing but the rest of the island it's it's hard it's hard to find good food. yeah pretty much just chicken right would, would be the yeah. main thing right yeah like unless you're gonna pay a lot of money for good beef which is usually really expensive like the importer from australia it's, it's yeah it's really hard to get good beef or even in like muslim areas getting pork but that, that's one thing good about japan and korea if you want good beef like japan and korea have good have good food so i'm sure a lot of people are are curious like let's say you know you get called for a fight in another country like whether it's china or you know japan or something who pays for like that ticket the hotel rooms like can you stay like a week you know two weeks before to train or can you stay two weeks after to sightsee like how does that work okay so like um like when i fight in when the last time i fought in japan i fought for um well i'll just say when i fought for pancreas before when i um They'll pay for my, my uh, uh, education visa, or no, it's not education, sorry, it's an entertainment visa. So when I have to, when I find Japan, I have to actually get a, a temporary work visa or entertainment visa. And um, so, cause since I'm making money there, right? Um, and they'll pay for my flight, they'll pay for my hotel. 
I can request to stay up to three days after the fight and they'll pay for the hotel for those days. But if I do want to stay longer, I have to pay that. I have to get my own accommodation, which I usually have done. Usually after Pancrase, I'll stay in Tokyo or Osaka for a few extra days. And I don't mind switching hotels because it's just like, it's still a free plane ticket and I take advantage of it. And, uh, Cause I, back in the day when like, even when I knew you in 2011, 12 and 13, I would go and fight. And then the very next day, the promoters would always book a ticket for the very next day to fly back. And I never ever actually get to see the country I'm in. I would just go fight and you can't really enjoy before the fight because you're cutting weight or, you know, you're so worried about the fight. And then after the fight, it's like, okay, I'm leaving right away. And I, so I started always wanting to stay longer and, and like the, if, if, if um, now that I have a little bit more of a name, the promoters do give me some leeway. They'll get, pay for an extra couple of days in a hotel and be pretty chill about that kind of stuff. And, uh, and yeah, and also you make, you make a few, I don't make, I'm not making like tens of thousands of dollars like in the UFC. I'm only making a few thousand dollars per fight. It's, it, and it varies. It depends which show I'm fighting in, depends what style. It also depends on who the opponent is. If I'm fighting like a very famous local opponent, I'll get paid more money. If I'm fighting like a not very good guy, I'll get paid less. So all these variables take come into play, but, um, but yeah, but I mean, I, I, I fight enough. I usually, well, not during COVID, but before COVID, I usually always try to fight at least one time. And that usually with my coaching salary, that makes me live a, I would say like an upper middle-class lifestyle here in Asia. I, I live like a, I live a pretty decent life in Asia. Yeah. That's um, not, dude, not I'm like, happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm all, and, and, yeah. And where are you go living ahead. normally? Like where are you living normally with your family? Um, so my family's in Thailand. So I bounce, I go back and forth to Thailand all the time, but I'm always coaching either. Like I've, I've done coaching in Australia. I coach in Singapore a lot. I coach in Malaysia. Um, now here I'm going to coach in South Korea. So I bounce around a lot for coaching jobs because in Thailand, it's really hard to make money. And yeah. even getting a coaching job in Thailand, the money is really not very good. So I coach in other countries for a month or two. I fight and then boom, I go back to see my wife and kids. Uh, or sometimes I fly them to like Malaysia or Singapore and they'll come. So it's kind of cool. My kids get to travel a lot. So they like that. And I, and I just bounce around a lot. I really have a strong like partner. My missus is awesome because she really does hold down the fort when I'm gone. And, like she really is supportive and she knows like, I think deep down in her heart, she wishes I had a normal job, but she knows like, this is what she signed up for. And so like, you know I mean? It's been okay. And it always, it always makes our relationship stronger when I do go back and see her. And when I'm with her for a few weeks, like it's, it's always really nice. So, um, yeah. so yeah. Yeah, that's dope, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm happy you worked out. And also, it, it was a nice, like, I'm sure it's you know, a little bit different now because you probably want to spend more time at home with the family because you got kids. But it was probably fun, like, traveling around and be able to see the world, you know, free flights and someone else's dime, right? Oh, 100%. Like, um, the last year I went to Italy for the first time. I loved it. Like, I think Italy's my favorite country of all time. And I'm a, every, like, people don't know, like, I love Asia. I love Taiwan. Taiwan. Taiwan's always, like, a nice place in my heart because, uh, I used to live there and coach there as well. And I, for, for the longest time, Taiwan was like my favorite place. But then I went to Italy and I was like, oh, Italy's it. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> uh, I didn't like Germany. I didn't like the UK. I like Southern Europe. Um, and yeah, I've been, like, I still love traveling. It's like, even um, I got an offer to fight in Ethiopia. And I was like, oh, I've never been to Africa. Cool. I'll go fight in Ethiopia. And the money wasn't good, but I was like, oh, it's a new country. I'm not going to spend any money to go there. So like, I'm still making some money. So I was like, Oh, well, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. You know? Um, yeah. So yeah, it is really yeah. Nice. yeah. So, so with Ethiopia, I'm assuming they'll pay for the flight. They'll pick you up from, from the airport. Like how does that work? Oh yeah. They're going to, they're, they're going to cover everything. What I, what I mean, money's not good. It's like that the, the fight purse is the super highest, but everything else is covered. Like anytime I travel and fight somewhere, 
all expenses are covered. The only thing I will say is here in Korea, when I, I came here, I came here on my own whim. I came here, so I'm paid for my own quarantine um, for Korea. But when I go fight, when I get out of quarantine and I go to Cheongju for the, where the fight is, I, uh, they got a hotel already booked. They're going to give me a food allowance. They're going to give me, uh, they're going to pay me for the fight as well. And then uh, I'll go to, I'll go down to Busan and I'll start, I'll start training. I got a coaching job lined up. So, um, so yeah, it all works out. You know? So out of all these countries that, that you fought in, like which ones kind of you think treat, treat fighters the best, like accommodation food wise and, and which ones kind of just throw you in there? Man, I got treated really, really well in Italy. I get, to be honest, I get treated pretty well in a lot of places. Uh, China is the worst. Mainland China is by far the worst, <laughs> hands down. Uh, uh, Thailand is like, Thailand it, it also like, is not very good, I would say, because it's just like, you show up to the stadium, you fight, and that's it. Like, the promoters don't care about you. They, they look at you like you're a chicken. Like, you're this, uh-huh. like, you're the same. You know what I mean? Like, uh, a lot of people don't know this about Thailand. They think Muay Thai is very spiritual, but Muay Thai is the only the only thing that people are legally allowed to gamble on in the country of Thailand. Mm-hmm. So a Muay Thai stadium is literally the casino of Thailand. And a lot of people think it's like Buddha spiritual, but that's honestly, that's bullshit. Like this shit's about money and gambling. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't, the promoters aren't always the best people in, in Thailand. So, uh, <laughs> but I do like fighting in Thailand cause I can literally ride my scooter to the stadium. I fight, I, I fight, get my paid my money. Then I ride my scooter back home and yeah. it is what it is. But, or or, um, ho- or hope, hope you can ride the scooter back home. That, that's always the goal. I'm still going. I'm still driving home. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I remember uh, once in, uh, in Chiang Mai, I, I rode my scooter like 20, like the gym was like 20, 30 minutes outside of the, the main city. So I rode my scooter there to, I had the fight. And then I like stumbled like three blocks away to the Zoe bar to, and just got like smashed because I, I got so beat up that day and I was like there's no way I, I was like there's no way I'm driving this bike back I was like, my, oh, like, yeah. I, was like I can barely see out of my like, out of my my eye I'm so like I'm just destroyed I was like I, it's someone someone throw me in a tuk-tuk <laughs> there's times I've done that I fought Bangla Stadium and then I went to Bangla Road and got smashed after my fight I ended up spending like half of my earnings, half of my fight purse on a party night. And then oh I'm like, God. I, get a tuk-tuk drive. I remember I puked outside of a tuk-tuk. I was just like, cause he, oh, <laughs> like puking, puking outside the tuk-tuk window while, while they're driving. I just want to get back to my hut. <laughs> just want to get back home and chill. <laughs> Man, yeah, I remember, I, the, I remember I was reading this book. I was so excited. Cause it was like the first, you know, uh, mainstream book out there. I think it was called like a fighter's journey. It was about some dude. Went to Thailand, trained for for a fight. Have you ever read that or heard of it? Yeah, yeah, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, it was it was so good until I get to the point where I realized that like he never fought. He like he was training for the fight, and I forgot what happened, but he just like never had a fight. Yeah, that guy made a lot of money off that book, but actually, like that's like what those guys. I get really upset for this guy's from Australia, England, the Western countries. They'll come to Thailand, train for a couple weeks. They'll get a few pictures, hitting pads with ties. They'll go, go, you know, sleep with bar girls, go party. And then they go back to their home country and they change their name on Facebook to like Crew John or Crew Steve or Crew Alex. And all of a sudden they think they're a Muay Thai trainer and that they know Muay Thai and they trained in Thailand. And it's just like, it's complete bullshit. And I, I get, I get upset about, I, like that stuff irritates me a lot, <laughs> but, uh, 
but yeah, whatever. <laughs> it, yeah. yeah, people are just gonna do whatever they want to do. <laughs> so, so the funny but, thing uh, is, uh, while training in Thailand, I had a I had a a good friend back in the day that was living in LA, and he was super super into Muay Thai. So he was training at like you know like one of the best uh, Muay Thai gyms in California, or supposedly you know one of the best, and then. We would talk all, you know, we, every every time we would talk, he would, he would, he was so knowledgeable. Like he knew everything, you know, he knew all the best fighters. He knew all the moves. He knew the history. He knew everything. And we kept talking and saying like, you know, uh, when I get back to LA, we're going to spar, you know, and he, and I got back and this is him. Like, you know, he had been training for, you know, at least what, like two or three years at this point. And he, he, I thought he was going to be like a pro because he, he, like, he was so knowledgeable about everything. We like, oh, we nice. go in. And I was like, dude, like this guy's like never sparred in his life. And I had realized <laughs> that in Thailand, I didn't know any of the words because all the, tra- you know, all the, the only thing I knew from the trainers were like, you know, them yelling like, lil, 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 like faster, faster, or like yelling, like just sounds at me. So I never knew like what I was doing, why I was doing it. But like from day one, we were sparring. Yeah. We're spa- you're sparring in Thailand. You're clinching. You're always hitting pads. That's one thing about America too. When you go to these Muay Thai gyms or MMA gyms, you don't ever hit pads really. Hitting pads is like a privilege that you have to get earned from your coach or you have to pay for personal training, which yeah. is really expensive in the Western countries. But in Thailand, you go out, you're always getting good pad work, you're always clinching, you're always sparring, you're always doing good technique. And you, like you had fights, I had fights, and you get like one fight, I feel like is like, yo, I feel like that's like two months of training, you know, like oh, two yeah. months, like experience you get from one fight would be like this equivalent of two three months of hard training so yeah, uh, yeah. but th- that's the thing with mma now it's like you, you know how there's like these hardcore uh nfl fans or nba fans that know stats know uh-huh. the player's name know they're like which high school they went to which college they went to so that's how the mma is getting so big and even muay thai is getting so big you're getting these crazy fans like that that know all the fighters names they know their stats they know their records they know this and that and before, like back in the day, if you knew that stuff, that means like you must have been a fighter. Like you must like know some shit if you know of this much about the fighters. But it's just like the sport is becoming so mainstream now where it's attracting these hardcore fans. And these hardcore fans are little keyboard warriors and they pretend like they know what the fuck they're talking about. And they kind of do. They are hardcore fans, but they're not – that doesn't that doesn't mean that they're good in the gym. That doesn't mean they're actually a fighter. It just means they just – watch a lot of videos and know a lot of stats. Well, the funniest thing about watching videos is I remember watching like those like backyard brawls back in the day. And then or like when Kimball Slice, you know, fought in the UFC and I was so yeah. inexperienced, you know, and this is before I had any pro fights or any fights at all. Like, you know, I had, I think I had just got to Target Muay Thai and I just started training. I remember saying, you know, one time like saying like, oh man, you know, like, you know, this Kimball Slice guy sucks. Like I can beat him. And one of the <laughs> other guys there looked at me and was like, no, you can't. <laughs> Just like straight up called me out on it. And I was like, no, look how slow they are. Look how slow they're punching. You know, like they're so tired. I'm, and the, he, this guy was like, look, Johnny, like, you know, you've never had a fight before. Like you have no idea what, it, what it's like to be in that ring. And it wasn't until I had my first fight when I really realized, oh, my God, it is the fighting is the most tiring thing in the world. And Kimbo's life's a big monster. Like, I wouldn't want to fight that guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, maybe if he was already, like, exhausted from fighting someone else for seven minutes and then you threw me in fresh, maybe I would have a chance at beating him. You know, but, like, if we were both fresh, 
you know, there's no way I could survive those three minutes, you know, until he gets tired. And I remember watching back in the day when I was in high school, him fighting for like 30 minutes. It was like the one street fight he lost. He lost to this other MMA fighter. And it was like a 30 minute fight that was ridiculous. I was just mm-hmm. like, yeah, fuck that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But man, that's dope. You're in Sri Lanka, man. I like, uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to going. If you do, if you are in Colombo again and you're ever wanting to train or something, or let me know. And uh, my friend there, he has a gym. Uh, I think they'd be stoked. Uh, he always shares stuff, my stuff on his Instagram and stuff too. So <laughs> I, I keep on talking. I was like, bro, I was supposed to go. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I went to Korea. I wanted to go to Sri Lanka, but they closed the border. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but, That'd be uh, dope. Actually, so uh, yeah. I went to this. Uh, I made. The, I went to this this martial arts gym called Anapora. It's more like a like it's, it's not you know it's not MMA or anything. It's it's more like their version of um, what was that? What was that one one martial arts with, with the the swords and everything? Is that like wushu? It's like, it's like their version of like wushu, probably. I call it like it's salat probably because salat is like Southeast Asian kung fu. <laughs> like okay. like in China we call it kung fu or wushu, but in in like Southeast Asia they do have like the slot with those like cool like Chris daggers with yeah. you know what I'm talking like yeah yeah Sri Lanka salat is really big and so is in, in Indonesia and Malaysia as well salat it's probably salat okay yeah so I mean yeah maybe they're, they're related uh, th- this one's definitely called uh, Anapora it's like this you know ancient kind of lost uh, martial art but oh, I went yeah. kind of just to film and make a cool video about it and then you know like I like you know did the warm-up where literally they're just kind of like running through the jungle doing some pull-ups and random stuff man i was so exhausted dude like you can hear me breathing heavy in the video like trying to hold the camera like just to film, like film other dudes i a big part of me wishes i never i never would have stopped and so i never would have got out of shape but now like you know being 39 I, I look you know every time i watch ufc and i have like a itch to like you know i was like ah oh, maybe i'll maybe i can do one fight you know like maybe i can train and get back in shape to one fight i'm I look at myself in the mirror. I'm like, nah, man, like I'm going to go and I'm going to regret it if I do. So I think those days, glory days are behind me. Maybe not fight, but at least like, you know, train, like Trish training and getting in shape is always cool. But man, it's, it's, it's hard too. like, if you always stayed in training, maybe that would have took your time away from doing some other stuff, which have, which has definitely made you successful. Like as successful as you are right now. Um, yeah. So like, you know, it's, it's all, it's all a trade, like where you want to put your, t- you seem like you have a lot of shit on your plate. Like I said, I watched your video. You have 14 different streams of revenue. Like that's a lot of work, man. Like you do a lot of, a lot of work. So that's, you know, it's incredible. It's inspiring too. Cause like I, I watched in a lot of your vids and trying to get ideas as well. And think like what I can do. Cause I'm, I'm like, I want to, I want to emulate like kind of what you're doing as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it all started with that first, uh, stream of income was I wrote a, a book and put it on Kindle and I, and I did it while yeah, I living, living at the Muay Thai gym. Yeah. What, when did you release that book? Was it 2013? Yeah. Yeah, because I remember. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, it wasn't because it wasn't that long after after we all like after yeah, 2011. I remember. Yeah, it was before I was in the UFC. I'm trying to remember and just kind of, I get punched in the head, so I'm like my memory's always like shoddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I remember like that's what started it all. Like it was it was after like my sixth fight or something. Sixth and my that was my last fight. I remember I got so beat up in that fight. I got elbowed like six times in the face, broke my nose, and. I, I think I had, you know, like little fractures in my foot. And I was just like, I, I felt so bad after. I'm like, you know what? I, I'm done. Like, like I gave it a shot. I enjoyed it. But, you know, I'm like, I'm never going to be, I'm never going to be go pro. And I was thinking like, I got to figure out another way to make money. You know, I got this, 
I got, you know, I can't train anymore because, you know, at least for a few weeks uh, while my body's healing up. Um, and I don't know if I want to go back to into doing this full time. And that's when I decided, you know what, I'm sitting across the street from the gym. I can hear them get up every morning at, you know, six or 7 a.m., you know, starting pads. So I'm, I'm up, I'm excited, but I can't train. What else can I do? So I sat right in front of that window watching them, them train while writing that book. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's huge. Like, man, because yeah, would, would you say, yeah, definitely that, that probably that one little decision probably changed your life. Yeah, because awesome. I remember, like, even though it didn't make a ton of money, it was making like 200 bucks a month for years. And it's called 12 Weeks in Thailand, The Good Life on the Cheap, if anyone wants to check it out, it's on Amazon. But 200 bucks a month was like almost enough to like, you know, to like get me by, you know, like it was like enough to either like pay for my food or my rent. Cause I was living, I was living super cheaply in Thailand anyways. I mean, my, my rent was 200 bucks. So, you know, I figured if the book can cover my entire rent, all I got to do is start something else on the side and, you know, try to cover the rest. Yeah. Like people don't realize how much $200 is in Southeast Asia. Like me and my wife and my kids live in a really nice house and I only pay $250 a month. Our utility bill is never over a hundred dollars a month. And like, we live in a nice, we have a nice place and a lot of room. Like we have four, three or no, four bedrooms, got two bathrooms. It's, it's like, it's two floors. Like uh, if, if you, well, especially it's nice because I have a Thai wife, so she can tie, talk and tie and get these things done, you know, like and, and negotiate. Because as a foreigner, I'd probably have to pay double that if I was the one who negotiated with the landlord. But, but, uh, but still it's like find the right, right place to live and you know if you can live simple, you can make, you can really stretch your mind. Yeah, $200 is a big deal in Southeast. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, man, this is like true, like pure, like truly passive income. Because, you know, it only took, I mean, it took me a long time to write the book, but once it was done, it was done, you know? Yeah. It wasn't like, it wasn't like I had to write another one every month. And, and that, that book, like 200 bucks a month, that's one Muay Thai fight a month, you know? Like, that's the way I, <laughs> I look at it. Like, yeah, it's yeah. better than fighting, you know? And like you said, passive income. So that's, yeah, it's huge, bro. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, book by Will the Kill Chope coming soon. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> I mean, I've been saying it like, what's funny is I, I, I was like, I have 120 pro fights now. And I said, oh when God. I hit my first hundred fight, when I hit my first hundred, I was going to write a book about like the, the first hundred. Yeah. But I don't think I'm going to write a book about the first hundred. I, like eventually I want to have like a, a tell-all story. I want, I want to call it fucking and fighting, you know? And yeah. write a, and write a fucking like a, uh, kind of i want to say a little bit of rated r about all my stories across the years all across asia and just what i've been doing and all the like the fights the after parties the craziness the, the mafia there's a lot of mafia and like gangsters in this business and just tell a lot of the stories and so eventually that, that book will be coming guys fucking and fighting <laughs> i like it i look forward to that uh hi uh, bro dude it was so good catching up again yeah man that was great man yo hopefully one of these days we'll be able to cross paths again, whether it's in Thailand, Sri Lanka, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be able to cross paths again. Yeah. And I'll, I'll keep an eye out for the next uh, UFC. Hopefully you'll be on the card in the next few months. We'll see. Well, I'm hoping by, uh, hopefully this time next year, I'm back in the UFC. That's, that's the plan. I think this time yeah. next year, I'm going to give myself I'll, a year. And, but I think it's realistic. Buddy. Yeah. yeah. I, I think Thanks, it is bro. too. So dude, good, good job. Uh, Try, try not to uh, go too crazy in quarantine. How many days do you have left? In, in, uh... I, I, uh, I'm literally over the halfway mark now. I got six days left or six nights left. So, yeah, I'm over that hump. All, right. All right. If anyone wants to check out those videos, uh, if you're watching on, you know, kind of like right when this comes out, you can find Will's uh, Instagram. Or if not, it'll be on his YouTube channel. Uh, what, are, what are the links to that? 
uh, just go at Asia Will the Kill for Instagram or Twitter. And then uh, if you just type in uh, Will Chope, you should be able to find my uh, my uh, YouTube account. And uh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. appreciate and, it, bro. Thanks. Yeah, for- yeah. And I'll link all that uh, in the show notes below. Uh, yeah, if, if Will's ever fighting, you know, in your country where you're at, go watch him. Uh, entertaining fighter. Uh, do you still go by Lanky Madness or has that graduated since you? But like people that like know me what's, and know what's up. <laughs> oh, I love it. I, I'm honored. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. All right, bro. Good uh, talking to you. Hopefully I'll see you soon. Yes, sir. Thank you, bro. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.